0: Wir haben so vieles geschafft, wir schaffen das. Was Ich freue mich sehr, heute hier in Deutschland zu sein. The fact that Germany is doing better so far makes one humble, not overconfident.
1: Es ist ernst. Nehmen Sie es auch ernst.
2: Hello and welcome back to Neuschland. I'm William Blutcroft.
1: And I'm Kate Brady.
2: And we're joining you on Wednesday evening, Berlin time for a very special episode on a very special day
1: i'm glad that you specified the time zone there because having followed the news for the past 24 hours i'm really confused about what time zone i'm actually in right now and of course we are talking about the u.s election
2: well i've had about three hours of sleep i'm mostly in u.s time zones right now haven't been covering it all night as i just woke up from a nap and i'm going back in for another overnight of long coverage
1: i think it's fair to say that the mood today from both german politicians as well as the large part of the German public as well. Has been one of, of panic. If anything, we still don't have a result.
0: Bislang hat offiziell keiner der beiden Kandidaten, weder Trump noch sein ein Herausforderer beiden, die notwendige Mehrheit der Wahlmänner hinter sich. Entscheidend ist der Ausgang in den sogenannten Swing States.
1: It really is anyone's guess right now as we're recording exactly what the outcome of this election will be. So without further ado, we're going to jump straight into things today and welcome our very special guest to talk about the reactions that have been coming. of germany today and the impact that all of this might have on the u.s german relations
2: joining us all the way from a sister city of berlin on the west coast of the united states its former u.s ambassador to germany during barack obama's second term john emerson he is also the chairman of the american council on germany and a trustee on the german marshall fund ambassador emerson thanks so much for joining us on neuschland Well, thank you for having me. And how are you this morning? You're in Los Angeles? Well, I'm a
0: little sleep deprived, but probably uh, less than I was four years ago when I pulled an all-nighter staying in Berlin and spent uh, most of the next day uh, traveling around to television and radio stations, trying to reassure them that the world wasn't going to fall apart.
2: (laughs) And how do you feel now about about that state of the world?
0: Well, you know, I've been um, commenting on this election uh, both for work and 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 with uh, you know friends like you uh, for about ten months now. And this election was going to be way closer than most of the polls suggest. That uh, four out of our last five, now I can say five out of our last six presidential elections have been breathtakingly close.
2: The pollster Kings Five Thirty Eight, they were saying going into the election that Trump had about a ten percent chance to win, which is about the chance of rain in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles. Do you see any rain clouds on the horizon?
0: I I don't. The reason is, at this point, I don't think Donald Trump wins absent uh, a highly unusual court ruling or uh, a recount that um, uh, results in a shift of votes uh, greater than you know, any recount we've ever seen in the history of American politics.
1: Now, when you were here serving as ambassador here in Berlin, I think it's fair to say that relations weren't always rosy, but certainly very different from what we've seen uh, between the US embassy here in Berlin and, and the German government over the last four years. How has it been for you as an onlooker for the past four years, watching uh, what is happening here between the U.S. and Germany.
0: Well, it's been disappointing. Look, when I arrived, six weeks after I arrived, a handy gate exploded.
2: Germany is summoning the U.S. ambassador to meet with the country's foreign minister because of spying allegations. The German government says it obtained information that
0: the United States may have monitored the cell phone of Chancellor Angela Merkel. And so, so much of my time as ambassador was devoted to trying to rebuild and, and strengthen the bilateral relationship. And, and, and honestly, by the time we left, I don't think there was a stronger uh, relationship between two foreign leaders than there. then the relationship between Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. In Germany, I'll visit with Chancellor Merkel, who's probably been uh, my closest international partner these past eight years. And by the time we left, I, I think the uh, affection that Germans had for the United States of America had grown to a level uh, far beyond where it was in the days after the Iraq War and Abu Ghraib or even uh, WikiLeaks and Handygate. And they sure uh, turned around uh, in, in an unfortunate direction in a hurry. They believe that working closely with our allies or engaging in multilateral agreements or multilateral institutions limits America's freedom of action. And we should pull out of uh, a number of these multilateral agreements like the Paris Climate Change Agreement or the JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, or even the INF, that Ronald Reagan negotiated, the Intermediary Nuclear Forces Agreement. That's what we've seen from the Trump administration. This was a sharp departure from 40 to 50 years of bipartisan consensus from both Democratic and Republican administrations that the strength that the United States has that our adversaries don't, think of Russia, think of China, uh, is our alliances, and particularly the fact that they are values-based alliances. They're not simply transactional-based alliances. Should Joe Biden hang on here and ultimately win the presidency, uh, I think you will see a return to what we had before with the following uh, caveat. And the caveat is Uh, It's not going to be total kumbaya. There will be issues that we disagree on. The challenges on Nord Stream and on burden sharing began during the Obama administration. Let's remember that. It's just their decibel level was raised uh, during the Trump years. And I think we have to talk to Germany about it. On top
2: of that, Germany is just paying a little bit over one percent, whereas the United States in actual numbers is paying 4.2 percent of a much larger GDP. So I think that's inappropriate also. You know, we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting everybody. And yet we're paying a lot of money to protect.
0: Those disputes and differences will be taken in the context of a much broader and deeper relationship that will also be recognizing and focusing on all those things that we share together.
2: The list is very long about criticism for how the Trump administration has handled specifically German relations, but really it applies around the world. Is there anything in your estimate that you would say the Trump administration has gotten right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Both Donald Trump and uh, Bernie Sanders deserve credit uh, starting back in 2016 for bringing attention to the fact that a focus on simply embracing globalization and embracing the technology revolution without paying sufficient attention to the reality that there are going to be lots of people who are left behind by this and and negotiating agreements that are going to better protect them, thinking particularly about the manufacturing base in the United States, that was a very important service. And I think um, you know Donald Trump has really shifted uh, the focus when it comes to uh, to trade negotiations and w- whether it's with uh, close friends and allies or or you know other nations that might be uh, we may not be as close to. When I think about burden sharing. This was an issue that Barack Obama raised in every meeting I was in with, uh, with him and Chancellor Merkel, and we were making real progress in that regard. Uh, but you know, let's be honest: uh, giving more money for defense is not exactly the most popular political issue in Germany, right? Uh, there's a lot of opposition to it, and if you're a particularly unpopular president <laughs> in Germany. To be in effect berating the chancellor about uh, you know where we need to go might not be as effective an approach as uh, as trying to understand the challenging politics uh, that that uh, that she might have. And helping her to work through that in order to get to the right place. On those fronts, I don't fault the Trump administration for their position on Huawei, Nord Stream, or on burden sharing. And I think uh, those are the correct positions. We might want to see a change in is the approach uh, that's taken in terms of presenting those provisions. Both both you know, one on one to the leader, and in particular, uh, to the general public.
2: So I've defined it as instincts versus outcomes that a lot of the instincts of the Trump administration are actually pretty spot on. It's the outcomes and how they reach or try to reach those outcomes that uh, seem to be where the flaws come into well, place. well, I
0: would use a different phrase. I would say I like your instincts. I would say instincts and execution.
2: Uh, Instincts and execution. Maybe I might steal that line from you if that's all right. Yeah, you got it. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) I think it's fair to say that the reaction from the broad spectrum of political parties here in Germany, bar the far right alternative for Germany party, has been one of of panic today. So if you want to have a listen to some of the reactions, we've had defense minister and conservative politician Anna-Grit Kramp-Karrenbauer saying that she she thinks Germany will have to adjust to a a precarious situation situation uh, we've also had uh, Norbert rücken CDU conservative foreign policy politician he warned das
0: macht einen Unterschied ob man vier jahre die NATO uh, überraschend durch die usa in Zweifel zieht oder ob das acht jahre lang passiert
1: if NATO were not questioned for four but eight years then it would be something Completely different on the table.
2: When Trump das gewinnt, is the Wasserscheide the global order
1: Co-party leader of the Greens as well said that if Trump wins, the global order will change fundamentally. I think those are very like-minded responses that we're hearing so far from some of the leading parties here as well. What do you make of those reactions so far?
0: Well, first of all, some of those people are good friends of mine and uh, people I work closely with when I was uh, when I was ambassador. And uh, I guess what I would say is I hear you, but sit back, take a deep breath and and watch the vote count before we start uh, digging graves for the transatlantic relationship. You know, support for NATO and the European project has absolutely been a bipartisan consensus item. Uh, And it's one of the reasons why you have saw so many uh, concern about that. The concern that I think uh, Norbert Rutkin uh, articulated is one reason why you saw uh, so many, I mean, literally hundreds of former Reagan and Bush and Bush administration national security personnel uh, endorse Joe Biden in this campaign.
1: There's one other reaction today that I just want to bring to your attention as well. And that is from one of your former counterparts, Wolfgang Ischinger, the former German ambassador to the US. And he warned this morning that too many people in Europe had relied on the transatlantic relationship being controlled, as it were, on autopilot he then added that this will not continue whatever the result of the u.s election
0: well i couldn't agree with that more either and wolfgang is also a a friend of mine in fact i am interviewing him on a uh, a podcast here in the united states on his uh, brand new book i'll give him a plug world in danger i'll tell you one of our pushes during my time as ambassador was encouraging Germany, in particular, and Europe more generally, to take more of a leadership role to not just wait for the United States to take action. This is this is sort of the broader and but you know burden sharing. Unfortunately, has been reduced to this idea about how much money did you pay for you know defense that can be used by NATO. Burden sharing is a much bigger bigger concept than that, and uh, it's really. Um, You know, are you going to step up and take responsibility for some of these challenges that we face globally? I can pick off, you know, eight or nine instances where Germany actually did do that, but we were very encouraged by uh, during that period of time. And fundamentally, I don't see what Wolfgang said as being a negative for the transatlantic relationship. I firmly believe that a strong and independent Europe is very much in both the national security and economic interests of the United States
2: of America. In the most concrete terms you can, the the impact on US-German relations going forward, if Biden comes out on top of this election and if Trump were to come out on top of this election and and have a second term.
0: I'm not part of either campaign's formulation of their transatlantic policies, but I think just looking at, you know, if past is prologue, which is certainly uh, one way we can look at it, Uh, I think, uh, and and given some of the statements that were made uh, on the campaign trail or by Biden's chief foreign policy advisors, in the Biden case, there'd be a desire to improve and deepen the level of communications between, not just between leaders, but between all levels of government and our allies. For instance, you would never see an announcement about closing Uh, American borders to European citizens or an announcement about pulling, you know, uh, massive troops uh, out of Germany without, you know, long and extensive consultations with the German government or with our European allies. There will also be a, a desire to reach out and work together on issues that have been less important if not entirely unimportant to the trump administration such as addressing climate change such as addressing uh the global crisis of displaced both internally and externally displaced people refugees and for sure uh on issues working together on issues like nuclear proliferation thinking the iran nuclear deal where uh in point of fact we have uh you know, seen Iran make greater progress since we got out of that deal towards developing a nuclear weapon. You know, a Donald Trump reelected, first and foremost, reinforce his view that uh, his view of the world, his way of doing things, has absolutely been vindicated. I would be surprised to see the United States pull out of NATO, but, but I think, you know, Norbert's comment about continued criticism of NATO. You know, can be something that that uh, has an undermining effect. Well, I mean, he said he wants to pull out of the WTO. I could see that happening under a second term of the Trump administration. There's almost no question that I could see us getting into a a deeper trade fight with Europe. So,
1: given that the the result is still very, very slowly unfolding in the U.S., how would you say Germany should be or German voters, German citizens should be understanding what's happening in the US right now. What would you say is the biggest thing that that Germans don't really understand about American voters?
0: Well, I mean, I think the main thing to understand is that democracy is working, and we are counting our ballots. And because of the uh, unprecedented nature of this campaign being conducted entirely in the context of a pandemic, a vast majority of voters have chosen to vote Through the mail, which just takes a lot longer to count. And, uh, you know, don't buy into all these hypothetical scenarios about, you know, what if Trump doesn't leave peaceably and all that, that's not going to happen. I mean, at the end of the day, there'll be legal fights, the courts will rule, ballots will be, uh, you know, counted. Uh, and a president will be inaugurated on January 20th. We, the people in government in particular, but just we as a society, need to do a better job at uh, trying to identify areas of commonality and, and stitch people together. And unfortunately, we've had a politics over the last few years that is, uh, and, then, and this precedes Donald Trump, by the way, that exacerbates differences. I mean, I can think back to the campaigns in the 1980s and the talk about, quote, wedge issues uh, and culture wars. You know, the the approach that Donald Trump has taken politically is is just building on what had gone before. We need to figure a way to kind of get past that. Uh, and, and we certainly don't yet have that uh, secret sauce.
2: But given everything that's happened in the last four years, why would you say that, especially here in Germany, why should Germans still believe America and, 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 its, its role as an example as a democracy.
0: I just remind you of Winston Churchill's comment that uh, democracy is the messiest form of government, except for all the others, uh, or the worst form of government, whatever it was he said, it's essentially that point. <laughs> the worst more. form of government, <laughs> except for all the others, you know? So uh, so I would just uh, say to Germans, well, you've been on the other side of this in your history. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have something that's more, that's more like this? The one thing I would say that, you know, you come out of this, and and I know this was in part the idea of the founders to have checks and balances, but the advantage that a parliamentary system such as what you have in Germany has over our system, where you can have the government separated from and split from the uh, legislative branch, is it really does make it hard to get things done and address some of these underlying issues that uh, are frustrating people and and causing them to be angry on both the left and the right. I don't see that being changed, but I would just say, if you were going to start from scratch, uh, the idea of having the government grow out of the legislature, so once you have a government, you can actually uh, implement uh, whatever the platform of that campaign was, uh, uh, may be a better way to go.
2: What do you think... America can learn from Germany, and vice versa. what Germany can learn from America.
0: Probably the biggest cultural difference is this whole concept of individual freedom. and uh, and and Americans, you know, just think about the Boston Tea Party, right? We are protests because we were getting taxed by, you know, authorities overseas and uh, and and started dumping the tea in the Boston Harbor, one of the flashpoints of the Revolutionary War is Americans definitely do not like, particularly their government, telling them what to do, which is probably one reason why the founders created this system that does make it more difficult uh, to get things done through government. What also is part of the American heritage though, is this idea, anyone, I mean, the concept is anybody can grow up to be president of the United States. I mean, if you look at people, by and large, Mo- many, many, many of our presidents, certainly those who have been popularly elective, elected, did not have the wherewithal, the resources, growing up, the privilege of a, of a Donald Trump or, or a George W. Bush or a George H. W. Bush or a John F. Kennedy. People like Joe, candidate like Joe Biden, or presidents like uh, Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or Lyndon Johnson. Dwight Eisenhower, you know, the great leader during the war, or Harry S. Truman. All these people grew up dirt poor, uh, many of them in the middle of the country. Eisenhower from Kansas, you know, Harry Truman from Missouri, Bill Clinton from Arkansas, you know, Barack Obama from about five different states as he moved around a lot. The idea that you can have Somebody with uh, really very little uh, privilege at the start of life uh, are able to rise to the you know greatest uh, levels of success in our country. That that story, the rags to riches story, is very much imbued in American culture. What Americans can learn from Germany and Germans, and maybe we're we're seeing this more is. You know, my sense is Germans are very, very thoughtful about, before they make a decision, really thinking it through, learning about uh, what's at stake. Uh, you know, when I look at an American campaign and the TV commercials, and I look at a German campaign and the debates that really are debates, real discussions about issues, and the voter turnout and all that, it's encouraging. And I suppose one big difference is, you, you know, Germans don't spend money that they don't have. Americans tend to, a lot of Americans tend to, you know, live on credit. I I think it might be a little bit better. I know we're a consumer economy, and our spending sort of drives our economy. It might be better off to uh, take more of the German approach there as well.
2: Hide some U.S. dollars under the bed, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right. <Schwabian>, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my a, a Swabian housewife. My dream.
1: A Swabian housewife? To be one, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, we don't want to get too, ahead of our, too far ahead of ourselves. Of course, we've barely gotten out of this election, but of course, Germany has a huge election coming up as well next year. German Chancellor Angela Merkel has already said that she will not be running for a fifth term in office. How do you see the election here in Germany shaping up next year? Who do you see as a potential successor, even of for Merkel? You
0: know, obviously, and in, in my role with the American Council in Germany, that's something I pay you know close attention to. Every time I'm in Germany or speaking with a counterpart or colleague over there, I, I'm always asking that question as well. So I think there's a lot of interest in um, sort of observing directionally. where where does the CDU go both uh, in terms of picking its party leader and in picking its uh, chancellor candidate and and, you know one thing that's interesting is it doesn't necessarily have to be the same person even though traditionally it has been the same person. Let me just remind you something because we see this with American presidents too is when somebody new comes into a leadership position and particularly after they're following somebody as consequential as, uh, as Angela Merkel there's always a sense about, oh, they're so diminished, they're so small, how can they possibly fit into their shoes? Just remember that when Helmut Kohl became chancellor, people were saying the same thing about him, and when Angela Merkel became chancellor, people were saying the same thing about her. And I guarantee you, just about every new president, particularly presidents that, that people haven't heard of before, uh, you know, Americans have the same feeling about. So, uh, uh, so don't, uh, don't get caught up in that. Give whomever the, the ultimate leader is of, of both the, uh, you know, uh, CDU and, and ultimately, whether it's, you know, black, green, red, whatever, of uh, the chancellor, the new chancellor of Germany, give them an opportunity to uh, sort of establish themselves because uh, uh, that, can, that can very well happen.
2: And if Biden ekes out a win in this election, any thoughts or interests or hopes in you coming back or serving some kind of some kind of role in that administration
0: you know right now uh, both uh, Kimberly and I are deeply committed to the transatlantic relationship and would want to do everything we can to help it but the last thing we're thinking about is what we may do Let, let's resolve this election situation uh, and uh, there's no question with our apartment in Berlin with between the two of us being uh seven different transatlantic boards that were will continue regardless of what happens to be deeply engaged in the transatlantic relationship.
2: You also have a coffer in Berlin, and I hope when this pandemic subsides and you're able to come back, hopefully we'll see you here in the German capital.
0: We look forward to coming back when things settle down a little bit. And thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, that's it from us for another episode. We're off to mull over what's happening with the US election, but we'll be back with more tales from the Schland real soon. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks on this episode, too, to Adam Berry. You're a munch. Don't forget, if you enjoy listening to Neuschland, you can subscribe to us on your podcast provider or do a good deed today and leave us a nice review. Until next time, max good.
2: And be patient.